I'd like to thank everybody for joining for another episode of Black Women Parlay. Now, today's episode is a really meaningful one for me, just because it represents part of my own journey. And that's because when I think about wellness, not now, but when I thought about wellness previously, it was always skinny, white women promoting don't eat, just drink water, only eat cucumber, this, 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 but it was never anything that felt relatable and or tangible to me as a black girl. And in the past few years, what's kind of been, oh, the girl, that's a bit overstated, woman. What's been, you know, a really important part of my own journey in terms of developing and making space for myself has been connecting with black women's wellness and seeing it and having that space for us and seeing that space the reflection of you in all the ways in a way that's unapologetic whether it's luxury whether it's which I like whether it's luxury whether it's middle end whether it's you know how can you do simple things at home that's still cater to you it's been really important to see black women at the forefront of this movement and this is why our guest today miss Chloe Pierre being here is um you know an honor um she's going to tell you about her book um and we're going to be talking about really how she disrupted the wellness industry for the fact that this new space that's being created for us as black women means that it helps us have more tools when we're in survival mode if there's no other if there's nowhere else we need to be we know that there's a space that can take care of us so Chloe so happy you're here thank you for joining me today thank you thanks for having me so can you tell the good people what you're about your brand of course we need we need we need to talk so we've got to give an extra round of applause because Chloe's book came out yesterday so you need to you need to tell us about the book and all these good things Yes, thank you so much for having me again. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, let me get straight into it. So I am Chloe Pierre. I'm a mother to a one-year-old. I am a digital marketer by trade. Alongside that, I'm a content creator, um, specializing in UGC as of 2023. Um, I just need to stop saying um, by the way. And, <laughs> and, and, so, and also, <laughs> UGC for those who don't know, like me. Yeah, sure. So I'm an influencer slash content creator. I would think I'd more lean on the content creator side than influencer. Um, I'm really good at creating and sourcing content and just seeing what makes a great post. So I've taken that knowledge and I've created um, almost like a new role for myself within the influencer marketing scene. And it's called UGC and it's user generated content. And it's basically content that looks like it's created by real people. Um, and of course, influencers are real people, but then there's filters that are involved and there's a lot of high editing and a lot of miscommunication generally within the influencer realm. Whereas with UGC content, it's really direct, it's straight to consumer. Um, it makes a consumer feel like it's actually them in the piece of content. And I think that's something that I've always tried. And it's that authenticity that has kind of kept my career going. I don't have a huge number of followers, 
but I do get a lot of work and I do have that authenticity with both my client and brand relations as well as with my audience Mm. so it's just a natural progression for me to create content for brands I don't necessarily have to post but it's something that can supplement both my career my income and also the brands that I love and care for right Right. I didn't know about it. So thank you for educating me on that. Cause I was like, hmm, what's this UGC? Cause you know, like acronyms when you're this, like this, yes. go back to back, but for all the newbies out there, like myself, this is like knowledge always contributing to this knowledge economy. Sorry, carry on. Yes. Uh, alongside that, I'm now an author, a published author. Um, my book is called take care. It came out on the 5th of January. I'm so excited for it to finally be out in the work. It's been a two-year labour of love, blood, sweat and tears. It's a book which also functions as a tool and a wellness guide, specifically for Black women. But of course, um, you know, Black people supplement every part of society. So essentially, it's for everyone. Mm. And... I'm really proud of it. I think there's so much of the book that needs to be out into the world, but we're taking it baby steps, baby steps. I'm so excited. Um, So that is my labor of love that has now been published to the world. It's had such international reach, which is great. We sold out Waterstones, uh, which is a huge book shop and branch, uh, branches franchise in London. And yeah it's just wild we've had extra copies printed through demand so really interesting and then alongside that I'm a founder of a wellness company called Thyself which aims to actualize wellness make it diverse make it inclusive and to basically give credit where credit is due when it comes to wellness practices and give people the knowledge that the wellness industry quite happily misses out Mm -hmm. so For example, you know, there's trends, turmeric was one, yoga is one, but no one ever, you know, credits the source where it comes from. And of course, those two things probably originate from India. But then there are oils like your yoga oils and shea butter and, Mm -hmm. you know, rosehip oil, which people go insane for in the Western world. But no one really knows where it derives from. It derives from African countries. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's little done when it comes to giving credit where credit is due. And then on top of that, black people, especially people of colour, just in general, are excluded from that conversation unless you look a certain way or you fit into a certain tax bracket. So we are all about breaking that down. We've been around for four years as of last October. And this year, I'm hoping to see a really great scale up. We're going to be launching Thyself 2.0. And I hope, I hope it's well received. Well, I think if any, if we go by how your book has been received, there's something, one of my favorite words is like democratization. Um, And there's something really powerful about when you democratize something for black women in particular, we are a very, um, we're an overlooked black, uh, you know, bracket as it is, thus the reason for you to have written your book about black women's wellness, the reason why I even founded Black Women Parlay, is we're, o- we're overlooked as a demographic, but we also have a lot of spending power. And it's not just, yeah. you know, we have spending power, but above and beyond that, we're also savvy, like savvy customers. Yeah. And this is what people forget is that a lot of the, and I'm going to say, 
practices that we've been brought up with as black women. No, we never called it homeopathy. No, we didn't. But let me tell you, my grandma knows how to make a tea or make a poultice or whatever it might be. You know, this whole pop a pill situation was not, is not the upbringing for most, you know, African Caribbean, African people. What we have is a tea, a herb, a something, a something. And We're the original herbalists, basically. Correct. correct. So when we're now seeing, I still, I will never forget this. When my grandparents came here and they used to drink sorrel, everyone's talking about what is that nastiness. You now can't move for everyone. Oh, sorrel, sorrel. You're like, listen, been there, done that. That That is basic stuff. But nobody gives credit, as you said. And I think this is- a And really- we don't give credit to it as well. That's a massive part of this. I want Black yeah. women, Black people- to now start taking ownership of the things and the practices that we have been cultivating for years and for centuries. That's what I think a massive part of this book is about, is empowering people to do so. Yeah, and just really getting back to what I'm going to (laughs) call, I know know Amy Winehouse said back to black, but in many cases, not being ashamed of, you know, once upon a time, homeopathy was seen as anything that was alternative medicine was seen as less than if it wasn't Western medicine. And if I think of some of my friends who are, you know, Chinese, they've kept very, they've stayed very true to Chinese medicine. Like they was like, no, 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 no. My, my Western doctor says this, but Chinese medicine says this. So this is what I'm going to be doing. And they invest in, you know, they invest in buying herbs and whatever it might be in combinations from you know Chinese uh, chemists and all this kind of stuff we don't have that same pride because it was taken away from us and then it's been westernized globalized repackaged repurposed and the problem with that is that when things are misappropriated then errors happen um and the original purpose of things get diluted Mm-hmm. And that can be a problem. That can be very dangerous, actually, for people's health. Mm-hmm. Not understanding the real implications or understanding what the, the true medicinal purposes of this particular thing is. So here's a question that I'm going to ask you. What made you, because I'm thinking about this from, the, uh, from a consumer perspective. So as a consumer, as I said, like I didn't see myself in wellness loads of years ago. And when I say wellness, I also mean like, Back in the day when I used to go to 10 Pilates, you know, and all reformer Pilates, I was the only black person who was there. You know, obviously, then you had like the top echelons, like someone like Naomi Campbell who'd go there with like nobody else there. But there wasn't, there wasn't that space around. And what really made you be bold enough to develop thyself and really create and carve out, you know, write your book and carve out this space for black women? Yeah, so thyself came about first and it came about through frustration. Everything that you just mentioned, I just thought, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So it was when I was on that journey of well-being, I would go online and self-care was always focused around a product. And I thought, I can't do this. And also that product might not be right for me. So thank God I had that awareness. And then I started looking to wellness practices, wellness facilities. And lucky for me, like yourself, I was able to visit those spaces. I was able to do it as an influencer, which means I didn't have to always pay to go, which was a privilege. 
Um, but often I would be in those spaces and I would feel so uncomfortable. One, maybe I felt uncomfortable because it was something new to me. And that's pretty standard and something yeah. that I really exercise to people and like really explain is that sometimes to be uncomfortable and come out of your comfort zone is like a major part of this journey. Mm -hmm. um, and you can find out so much about yourself through this. But the other part was that I was made to feel uncomfortable. I was made to feel othered and to made to feel as if like I was here as some kind of tokenism and possibly I was, but I had a right to be well. Wellness isn't exclusive to white, slim, able-bodied, straight women. It, yeah. It's not. And it's not, it's not exclusive to any particular demographic at all. So why was I made to feel like that? So I, I constantly like made those efforts because it was about myself and I put myself at the forefront of this experience. So I would choose to actively ignore being made to feel unwelcomed into spaces with the knowledge that I was taking care of myself and that was bigger than anything. But I knew that that was a strength and I knew that that wasn't something that everyone could do. Yep. So the more I did that and the more I felt uncomfortable and the more I actually had like issues, um, so microaggressions on a regular basis, I just thought, no, I need to do something about this. I need to build a community. So I won't feel alone. So it's quite selfish. I won't feel alone and other people could, you know, get their wellness up and start this journey and we could do it together. And it wasn't just for black women. It was for anyone that felt of it. Anyone that was plus size and didn't feel like the exercises or the spaces worked for them. I remember being in a, um, a yoga class and really struggling. It was one of those hot yoga uh, experiences. All I'm going to say to you is you're good to do that because the amount of people that uh, faint in those hot yoga classes and nah, mm -mm, that, I already know that's not for me. So hats off for trying it because no. Well, I tried it and my mum was really into it, but of course she can, you know, she really ignored other microaggressions that she faced as well. So I knew that that was a thing. Um, but I was there and the, the the instructor speaks on a mic and it's like really dim lit, thank God. But she was literally antagonizing me the whole session. So speaking on the mic, saying how I wasn't doing things right. So everyone around me could see that she was speaking about me. So it really put me in a spot. And later now I realize how insensitive that was and how disgusting mm. that behavior was that she portrayed um, I did explain it to the studio. I don't know if anything happened, but I refused to go back. And yeah. I had a whole year's worth of membership. Um, but now knowing what I know now, there's so much more that I could have done about that in terms of educating both the instructor and the studio. But at the time, I just wanted to remove myself from that space straight away. And now I look back and I think it was a slim, whitey woman, able-bodied, that was teaching me a woman of color about yoga and embarrassing me and intimidating me in that space without any knowledge of how closely I'm related to the practice more so than she is and how even the practice itself is probably not even made for adult bodies and that's the thing about yoga and the misappropriation or the appropriation of cultures and practices is that a lot of the practices of yoga 
uh, in the Western world is not made for adult bodies. Instead, they were made for um, adolescent boys. So that's probably why people struggle with it so much. <laughs> um, and it's just something that is not um, recognized, but it's that entitlement and that privilege that allows for this behavior to continue and for this appropriation and this appropriation culture to continue. So that in a long roundup, sorry, because I went on a bit of a rant, um, that's reasons why I started thyself and I wanted to make it known that there was someone that was going to shake it up and to give credit where credit's due and to highlight the people behind certain practices, the tribes, their faces, and to make wellness about, you know, representation rather yeah. than exclusivity. Yeah. And I, th and I think that's the thing we sometimes have to recognise is the burden is that wellness is booming business, you know, whether it's just like, plastic surgery whether it's the pursuit of looking younger extending our lifetime not just extending our lifetime but extending life quality in the fact that we do also live longer all of this stuff has become a very business focused thing and the more exclusive and kooky and I'm not saying yoga is kooky by the way mm -hmm. but the more exclusive and kooky it can be the more 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 money can be demanded from it demanded for it and then all of a sudden it's the upper echelons of society. And then, as you said, it trickles down to everybody else. But by the yeah. time it's trickled down, it's, it should no longer really and truly have the name of where it was stolen from because that's not what it is. And right. And I think the other thing that happens is the, there is a real focus on selling spirituality or selling practices that were that are aligned to some sort of spirituality when the, the actual practice that it's morphed into has nothing to do with it agreed to make it feel more authentic um and and when you see when you see all of that it does make you question and go not even just question you know you know it's not a space created for you you know it's not it's not it's not a purpose or it doesn't serve its purpose for you. And I think that's why it becomes more and more important. I'm not saying that as black women, we always have to go to, to a black yoga teacher or a black whatever. Mm. But what I am saying is, is that I feel that there's a need for us to go to places and spaces where our bodies are not seen as odd, different, diverging from the norm, abnormal you know you can say oh diverse but what they mean is diverging like the diverging from normal standards but whose normal standards exactly who sets these standards and who said that I'm you know about it I, or I'm you know configuring to this this ideology I'm you know just because we are here you know by location by default doesn't mean that we subscribe to all the beliefs and I think that's something that we need to talk about a lot more um so yeah and it's funny because um I know you I know we started on off on yoga but I, there's um there's her handle is I think her handle is literally fat black girl yoga oh yes yes follow her right and you see her and my girl is like killing it 
literally flexible healthy strong and it's it's she is defying defying everything that people say correct and it's this and it's this part about understanding that western medicine not actually not even just western medicine but western practices and ideologies i think yeah but not even just that i was going to say like medicine you can take as one example but i was gonna i was gonna bring it down to everything we do so you know uh, crash test dummies for example just as an example crash test dummies are based on men so this is yeah. why women die more in car accidents because crash test dummies are not based on any women at all so bringing that back everything from bmi to well we know bmi is inherently racist but this practice of what a healthy strong body looks like and that's not to say that we of course we have naturally I, I used to be skinny back in the day I used to be not back, back but I used to be maga um yeah. it's not to say that black black women aren't skinny but it's not to also say that black women aren't bigger we've we've moved away from this idea of there being variety everywhere the ideal has to be skinny or extremist parts of your body be it your boobs or your body or whatever but we don't we're not ready to to accept that someone might have big boobs, big bum, and they might also happen to have a big belly and it's still healthy. And also is that we're just so intersectional as well. Like one black woman doesn't identify the same as other black women. And, you know, I think that diversity is really prevalent within the black community. And I would say sometimes more so because it's such a radical act of self being able to put yourself out there like that. Um, so I'd say more so than other communities as well. So, you know, we just have to be more accepting of people just in general, the fact that things are different, their bodies is different, but they're also their mindsets and what the things that they subscribe to, their ideologies and the lifestyles that they live, you know? And I think it's and I think it's also for us. I mean, I'll, I'll give an example. When I read articles that talk about black women having larger hips, I don't have any hips. You know, it is it's quite, it's quite simple. My hips go downwards. I, I mean, that. But the point is, is that we also have to be able to embrace all our, of our variety. The only reason why I'm using avoiding the use of the word diversity is to not cause confusion. Um, yeah. is you know our variety that we have to embrace it. We don't have to present a certain way, and it's it's all of it's all of that. I think that come to me comes together in being our wellness should allow us to be as expansive as we need to be our wellness should be as broad and as wide and as deep as we are all different and varied yes i i, I couldn't be more in agreement with you you know creating those spaces and i think that's why it's really important from uh you know what you're doing with thyself i think that's why it's really important is creating that community and you know you said it's selfish but you know, because you were missing the community, but it wasn't really selfish because ultimately what you also said in your second sentence was you wanted to share and go on the journey with others. Yeah, I did. And I think my, one of my key skills is building community and I'm so grateful for that. Um, but yeah, it's, I did feel like it was a selfish act, but it's, it's just come around so much more now and it's, it's beautiful. It is. 
think, you know, when they talk about from any like business perspective or whatever, the reason why people invent, people invent things is because they see a gap in the market that's not catering to their needs. Yeah, exactly. And there was that gap. Oh my God, the gap was there for like forever, forever. Um, and since thyself, um, there's been a few more communities that have popped up or brands and it's good. I'm, I'm never like, oh, they're stealing my ideas because they can't. It's the more the merrier, mm. the more that we can reach out to so many different demographics and, you know, intersections, the better. Um, but also, I just think your heart has to be in the right place. It's not necessarily a business venture for me. It's turning into that because I have to sustain it in some way. But um, it's for the love of doing it. I didn't get any credit when I did it, you know, when I started it. it none at all. I actually had people tell me it wouldn't work, that it's ridiculous, that I'm not a black, I'm not black enough as a woman or black, I'm not a black woman enough to create such spaces and things like this. We, we, yeah. I can't I can't move past that for two seconds um no no because I, I I take severe severe umbrage with these kinds of conversations yeah why, why are you not black women enough I think it depends a lot on the or it has to depend a lot on the person that makes those kind of statements um and what their idea of a black woman is so whether that's it's really hard because those same if I'm speaking about the person you know that actually said that to me there's like two types of black women in their head and they're they're not my generation as either so that I think that has its own kind of um effects and stuff yeah, yeah. and effects yeah and factors but they said that thinking that you know there's like someone like Michelle Obama and Oprah and they're so you know they're up there and then there's other black woman that is like struggling and that she sounds a certain way. She doesn't, she speaks a certain way. She dresses a certain way. And she is that there's no in between for them. Okay. Um, and even if you could even put Oprah in that bracket, but she was dirt poor. She had nothing and she built her way up, you know? So why would there be a certain way to speak? She doesn't speak like a typical woman from her background, you know? why is that a problem why is it that we have to speak a certain way we have to look a certain way we have to subscribe to certain things we have to only date black men we have to only eat a certain type of food why why yeah that that and that for me just feels why it's stifling it's stifling and it's it's not progressive for our culture no but it's what, I find, what I find really interesting or what I, or what I would say I find interesting is that within the American context you and I, and I and I do see the difference within the American context you can have what I'm going to call ratchet women with money not all of them are ratchet but I'm just going to say like how they said it like I'm not, I, I never really watched it I don't think I've even watched a full episode of Real Housewives of Atlanta but you know at the time when it was being covered in the news it was ratchet this ratchet that ratchet 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 yeah and it, and it could it was a brand and a word that was sold as part of the you know, a part of a very specific mm -hmm. American black woman, black American woman's vernacular and everything, right? Fine. Then you have the, I'm going to call the Park Avenue princesses, show pony types. Yeah. Um, Michelle Obama and whatever. Then you're going to have, I'm going to say like the educated literati, like Elaine Welter and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
but what you do get in America is that and then the artists right but you get that breadth of academics academics Mm -hmm. everything 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 and they're all successful but none of them have to be their defining characteristic isn't how they behave they're just all black women whereas I think within within the British and European context because black culture has not been and I I don't know where I read this but I read this in an article and it said black culture has been absorbed in the U.S. as part of the American culture yeah you can be hip-hop artist etc 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 you can be successful and whatever people whatever people's beliefs might be about black people you can still find them taking off you know you can still find them into hip-hop right or mm. black culture, whether it's food, etc. Whereas in the whereas in the European context, black culture and our existence and our presence in Europe has not been accepted in the same way because we only want to reference in a UK context Windrush. Now we're starting more with the reparations. If you look at like what's going on with Benedict Cumberbatch and all this kind of stuff, yeah. but the point is, is that there hasn't been this inherent acceptance of black people which means to a lot of, to a, to a larger extent the the grace that you might be given and i think it is a generational thing i'd say but maybe 5 years ago we probably didn't have the depth but i think tiktok has been responsible for changing some yeah. of that like I um, like some of the things that I've seen on TikTok there's like um I think it's called the receipts podcast these, oh yes you know with these like we have the same publisher oh okay okay um with these three young girls you know they're they're definitely different to a lot of black women in my generation from like yeah. how they speak how they how they like they're still obviously all kempt and stuff it's not to say that yeah but but they are still very they have a different style so they're still showcasing a different kind of black girl you know like I don't know about education enough I don't know anything about them Mm. to be honest but yeah it's it's that and I think there's another young girl called is it Musa have I said it right she does something with makeup I don't know I'm rubbish at makeup okay well in any case there's I think we're now seeing different styles or we're seeing they were always there but we're now create there's more space for women of different black women with completely different type background styles accents to be in the limelight and I think that's creating another change in movement as to how younger black women are seeing themselves instead of having to feel like they have to curtail themselves and be like the Michelle Obama style black woman when actually they can just be who they are yeah exactly because it's changing I think and I think and I think and I think it's forever changing I think that's the beauty of it and it's the beauty of us being able to make that into a movement you know Mm. we Mm. do that so naturally so easy and one thing that I wanted to say to you earlier is that like black women in particular we have qualities that so many people envy or you know wish that they had so easy it all you know came so easy to them but we don't really um celebrate those things as much so I'm hoping that with the book and I'm hoping that just as a culture we can move forward and really identify our key like strengths Mm. and um make them you know 
income earners for us. You know, we have strengths and we don't need to downplay them. We don't need to dull our shines for anyone. Um, and I think that will make a change across the generations. We didn't get here. I didn't get here by simply someone just accepting. There had to be a sense of rebellion or, um, you know, radical self-care and self-love and ownership of self to get me to be the person I am today or for my line of ancestors to even survive this long. So I just want people to know that and to really embrace that knowledge we're not here by accident you know no that's a powerful statement we aren't here by accident we're here through survival we're here through yeah you know the all the, odds all again, odds all odds and we're still here and we're still moving and we're still thriving and i think you know in many in many cases and this was like a thing this is like a thing for me and this wasn't just about wellness this was also about just generally I believe that I owe it to like my grandparents came to Britain so I feel like I owe it to my grandparents as part of their legacy not just to succeed but part of them doing what they did was that was to enable their children to have a better life and to enable their children's children and forever generations to have a better life. And when you think about when you come from a family that's been either displaced or moved to another place, the initial, the initial driver is to work, to save, to blah, to blah, to build foundations. There was no such, there was no time for wellness. There was no time for, let me just sit on my laurels. It was all work 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 build work build work build yeah so to now be at this stage they have to have done they have to have done all that hard work for something and that something definitely has to be that we put the time in to take care of ourselves because they never had the opportunity they didn't and where that we're that legacy and we too have a position to or a part to play in the legacy of future generations to come so I'm just very much aware of that and I'm hoping that my book Take Care will be a massive part of that a legacy for not just my family but other people in general as a wider community as a wider family mm-hmm. and I think and I think that's a really important part because um, when I think about book writing and my book's coming out in September, October, it's that it's about creating a legacy of a, you know, of imparting insights and information to leave the world a better place. Above yeah. Beyond, you know, I was on another podcast with her name, Charlotte Lewis. And, you know, she was talking about sharing when she found her route to self-love she decided to create her center me house because she wanted to share the success and the way she found to free herself with others and I think there's no greater gift that you can give to anybody no honestly no yeah getting goosebumps (laughs) you know and I think and I think that's what the beauty of it is and I think that's what the beauty is of all the things that you're doing when you look at them as a, as a whole is that it's all about driving 
that real meaningful interaction with ourselves taking the time you know one of the things that I think about a lot it's funny enough I made a video about this earlier on I haven't posted it on TikTok yet but it was about taking the time to um get to know yourself and listen to yourself isn't just about your instincts it's also about listening to your body when it tells you that it's tired it's about <laughs> when it tells your body always gives you those signs that it's tired and you go I'm going to push through 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 you push through and then what happens collapse not literally but you're tired you're exhausted you can't and and that for me is we have to be attuned to prioritizing ourselves because without our full working selves, we can't deliver on anything anyway. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just like taking it all in. I'm like, oof. Like <laughs> I've done something really like, even if it's just to open conversations and forget to get people to think about things again and also in a different light. Mm. I've I've done that and it's it's wild I, I feel like last week was about the book launch and this week is just like sitting in it and mm -hmm. taking it all in yeah because they're celebrating it there's having a drink with friends and that's amazing but just being able to sit and think okay what have I done for my community mm -hmm. and where do we go from here mm -hmm. so yes there's a, the the reality is is that the world's your oyster there's loads of places to go from here because putting together a, a black girl's guide black woman's guide to wellness is significant because not very many people have taken the time out if any I don't think I don't think there's a book of its kind maybe there is and you can tell me about competitors but you know in a, in a very, in very, very clear, specific terms, having a definitive guide, whether you subscribe to it or not, isn't, mm -hmm. that's not what it's about. It's about, and, and, and this is one of the things that I was, I will implore all of our audience. This isn't a plug of Chloe's book because I'm plugging it like that. But what it's to say is we give other brands chances without even thinking about it. We give other books chances without even thinking about it. This is a book created by a black woman for black women it should be a no-brainer yeah. <laughs> mm. it should be a no-brainer obviously you'd probably be too scared to say that but because it's your book but I can say what I want <laughs> you can say and I'm just gonna yeah <laughs> no, but, that, but, that's, but that's how I feel you know we can we can we can always talk pro-black and when I say pro-black I you know just for clarity purposes pro-black isn't anti-white i'm talking about you know no. i'm just I'm the just, fact that you have to iterate that is just mad to me but yeah i know yeah i know but we still we, we know where we're yeah going. Yeah. Mm. yeah the fact is is that when we are pro-black and we're talking about buying black then we gotta really mean it yeah yeah and also think about why you're doing it there's always everything everything for me in my also just everything that I promote is always about intention so it's why did I write this book why am I buying into black businesses it's because I actually want them to succeed um I'm not doing it because I think because it's black it's right um 
but it's because I believe in an ethos or a concept or you know the mission behind things so I just I implore people to do that as well regardless yeah. of um which color the, uh, which color sorry I can't believe I said that but which heritage they derive from yeah but from, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest with you I always think about it like this if you're gonna buy something you're gonna buy it why does a black product need more endorsement than any other product if I'm gonna try something do you see what I'm saying like for me it's yeah. actually that quite it's quite it's quite simple if I'm gonna try a let's just say I'm going to try a new foundation that comes from Giorgio Armani and it can, it's going to cost, I don't know, 40 pounds. I can take that same 40 pounds and try a black brand because in the end, all I'm doing is trying. Yeah, so and, true. And, and I think this is for me when it comes to buying black, for me, it's not just about the purchase. It's about the fact that we have to get better at giving the same amount of chance and opportunity to black brands as we do to every other brand. If you can throw money at Kim Kardashian stuff, and if you can throw money at, no, see the eye roll, but I'm with you. But if you can throw money, no, I mean, I, I have, so I can't, I'm not eye rolling like that. I just think the, the, how much we do it in mass, or even like how much of us, you know, subscribe to watch, um, you know, their programs and things like that. It's all money at the end of the day, and it's all, it's an investment. Right. So, like, I don't, I, I, I'm happy to say I've never watched a single one of their shows, not anything else. But the point is, um, you know, it's that thing for me where I'm like, we have to get better at just not unintentionally raising the benchmark of purchase for black brands than others. Now, don't get me wrong. Oh, this is not to say that loads of black brands don't need to come correct with their customer service. Oh, yeah. You know, this is what I mean. I'm yeah, yeah. not saying that black buy uh, buying black or, um, right. you know, you solely have to do that or that just because it's black means you know but there, I think there are other institutional factors that we need to consider so yes buy black but also just be cons conscious and like intentional about that pur purchase and why you're supporting that brand Correct. in fact that could be more reason to support them but you know support support the brand support you know support black brands but if there's an issue don't default to it being well I expected it because you know how black people say yeah we do <laughs> but yeah <laughs> we do but at the same time to your point there are institutional factors that play a role number one and number yeah. two in order to get better they need to be shown how and they need to be they need to be given feedback and I and I and I, and I do think I know we're going off on a tangent like a little bit but I think it's still very much important and key to our success as a community is to give feedback oh yes 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 I think as a community yes I just think as consumers a hundred percent that's the only way to go forward but obviously it's how you do that and again intention behind it you oh, know I mean 2023 is my year of intentionality and that just you know for me is how do I choose to expend my energy? How do I choose to spend my time? Who do I choose to interact with? How do I choose to make this a year of difference? And all these things. And one of the biggest parts is how do I, as a consumer, which I've, I've been, to be honest, I've, I have been an intentional buyer for a very long time. Yeah. You know, how do I continue and how do I further that intentionality? to our point in the direction of black consumers and how do I also support other black female entrepreneurs like you and myself 
you know, there's not very many of us within the European space. How yeah. do we create space with each other to collaborate and, you know, to do something amazing? And this is why, you know, I'm happy that we're coming together with your Black Women's Wellness Guide and, you know, Black Women Parlay. It's a, it's a really, really um, important and powerful sign and signal because it's also about showing that Black women do collaborate with each other <laughs> you know and it's not just it's not just the preserve of the US and it's not just the preserve of people who have grown together yeah yeah I just think especially I mentioned it in the book is that just we as a diaspora are just growing phenomenally and the partnerships are incredible and I think a massive part of this whole process of the elevation of black women is the fact that we are not only supporting each other but we actually see each other mm-hmm. and it feels we're starting to see each other for the first time without any kind of um you know malice towards which which region we occupy or we stay in Mm -hmm. you know um what heritage we have which country we're from what we look like you know these are still factors and I understand that they do still tear us apart um but we're able to look at it in a different way this generation and going forward, you know, yeah. we're not letting it define us or hold us back from reaching our goals. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And I think- And we're coming together, so. And I think that's coming from more, uh, you know, of, a, of an abundance mindset that we're realizing that we've been taught to believe that there's own, that the, the, the pie is a fixed, the, the, space, the size of the pie is fixed. And if one yes. takes it, then, you know, one cancels out the other, it ain't. The, the, yeah. the pie gro- keeps growing the, the pie keeps growing and I think now that we're seeing that that's had a real tangible effect as to how we then you know interact with each other so we have done the full gamut today it's been such a good conversation great way to start the week um even though even though this is going to come out on Friday it's going to be the great a great way to finish your week um where can everyone find you what do you want your takeaway message today to be um my takeaway message is just to stand in your truth and prioritize your well-being for you you have the right and the duty of self to make that a priority that's something that you can do for yourself and also do it for the legacy that you want that you want it's you know replacing generational wealth with legacy um and you're a massive part of that so that would be my lasting word I think every time I have an interview or every time I speak about the book it's different depending on the audience and the conversations that I have but I feel like this one is all about reaffirming ourselves as black women um mm. our power and also how we move forward and we move forward, you know, with good intention. Yep. For ourselves and for others. And, you know, I can't wait to see the growth at the end of the day. Um, so that would be my lasting words. Um, but you can find me on chloepierre.com, which is my blog. Um, I also have my LinkedIn uh, profile, Chloe Pierre. I am on Instagram as Chloe Pierre LDN. Of course, you can see my work at thyself, thy.self on Instagram. And we have the website at thyself.space. I'm also on TikTok and I'm really enjoying that. 
why did you have to say oh my gosh I love TikTok so I'm gonna have to go find I have I have so much fun on TikTok like seriously yeah I'm just I've just tapped into the fun part I found it a little bit overwhelming at first I was like oh another channel I know that brands still really focus on Instagram and you know that's a massive part of my work yeah but TikTok is doing well and you need to go where the fun is you know and you need to go where you feel safe and where you feel like you're most creative especially as a black woman so TikTok for me like Instagram's Instagram and I'm trying to do my thing on Instagram right now but TikTok for me is like where I am happy TikTok for me is I love TikTok and you know what like now I've started to post a few like like uh, I would talk about you know um career career things or whatever but TikTok's also where I just go to have fun and do stupid videos and talk you know, it's just for me it's just such a great platform I love it anyway but you're going to take me off on a TikTok like journey so Chloe thank you so much for joining today for anyone who's listening you know where to find me at Leanne MM on Instagram um Leanne Maya on TikTok Leanne Maya on Maya being spelled M-A-I-R but you'll know that because that's you you should maybe you know who I am by now um and thank you as always for your time wishing you a wonderful day bye